I have to clarify something. So last week we talked about typologists, and uh, we were we were talking about <laughs> we we're talking about like the different things about typography. And I made the comment that if people haven't been to an art school or to uh, um, taken art classes or type classes, they may not understand the things that were in the type menu in Photoshop or Illustrator. What I meant was that they may not have the vocabulary to look at that and understand what each one of those things mean. Not that you're not incapable. And somebody sent me a message and they took um, offense, seemed like they took offense to me saying that because they were able to learn it on their own and they kind of rejected the idea that you had to go to school to be able to learn those things. That is absolutely not what I meant. What I meant is sometimes within any given skill set or like a a thing that you want to learn, there's there's kind of like custom vocabulary that's built into those things. Like the word kerning. You wouldn't know the, what the word kerning meant from going through elementary and middle school, right? Because that's just not a word that is relevant in anything else other than typography that I'm aware of. So not that you don't understand what kerning is, but you may not have the association of the word and the definition until you get exposed to it by somebody teaching you, which I think is what we were trying to do last week was like, hey, here's some things that you can know so you don't have to go to school to understand what these things mean. So I was not at all saying that you have to go to design school to be able to do good type or to understand it. Uh, that was just, yeah, got misunderstood. So I wanted to call that out. Out of all the offensive <laughs> things you said last week, that's what they chose to get offended <laughs> I know, about? I know, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now, I mean, they weren't upset, but it, it brought up a point that, yeah. you know, I think sometimes we say things in a certain way and we mean a certain thing. And depending on other people's perspective and where they're coming into it, they may not quite hear it the same way that we say it or mean for it to be said. So I wanted to clarify that because I think everybody can learn that stuff. You don't have to go to school for stuff. But. Somebody, and um, maybe I'll, I'll find it real quick. Somebody's tweeted at us like a good resource for learning typography. And, oh, yeah. Uh, um, oh, Dave Bauer sent us this website, thinkingwithtype.com. And I clicked on it, and I was like, yeah, that's a good website for learning about typography. So thank you, Dave. Yeah, I'll put a link to that. And also, we mentioned in the after show, uh, I think Jimmy was like, why didn't we talk about Aaron Draplin? Because we totally oh, yeah. didn't talk about Aaron Draplin and then mentioned it in the after show. Um, and if you're not familiar with him, fantastic designer, does a really good job of logo design, but also working in different types of fonts and different typefaces. Into- and there's also loads of video on him. So Yeah, he has a great course on Skillshare. Not sponsored, but if you're on Skillshare, there's a really good course on there. I think he has, he may have two, but I know there's at least one that's really good. So, and check him out on Instagram yeah. because he has a very good Instagram account where he's showing like old stuff and new stuff, and you get to see kind of behind the scenes in his personal life. And excellent designer. Cool. Right on. Well, what's up? What's what's been going on? Good morning. Good morning. I just muted to cough. But since I oh. talk over you guys, according to the comments, I guess I'll I'll talk over both of you. <laughs> do you do you want to air your grievances about the uh, the comments? Well, doesn't matter anymore. Doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, apparently, apparently, Jimmy went to read the uh, the reviews on iTunes of the show. No, overwhelmingly good. Every once in a while, I'm done. Jimmy talks over everybody. He thinks he's so funny. That's it. So I'm just going to be quiet this episode. You guys are going to have to carry the I whole show. I think you're funny, Jimmy. I think Thank you're really you. funny. And apparently I have a physical ailment of some sort. Yes, mm. yes. You you need to go to the hospital because you clear your throat too much. So next week uh, you're probably going to have to do it from a hospital bed this episode. Gotcha. <laughs> well, it was nice knowing you guys. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. I could, I could talk about what I've been doing if it's okay if I talk over you two. Um, I've uh, been working. I just put a vlog up the other night. And it's funny, I do a vlog when I don't really have like a good build video to, to put together. I have, I'm have i in the middle of like three different build videos, but they're long extended ones, which might kind of play into what we're going to talk about later. But I did the <clears throat> vlog this weekend, which for me, in some cases might be, air quotes, easy way out. But it is grueling to put together those vlogs. I, I'm trying to find little news segments, little clips, things that are interesting. I'm running around grabbing video on my cell phone of different pieces that are missing from the vlog because I start sculpting it from the intro. I'll 
do the little intro and if the intro is starts to become interesting then i just literally start adding inches at a time to it dropping in little story segments and then i shift them around and then i go alone in the workshop with my script and i sit and i talk to the camera and then i got to come back for like another three hours and put it into the the vlog so I did an easy way out this week and spent like nine hours editing the vlog in between entertaining house guests and friends and doing all the work. It was funny. Saturday night at 11 o'clock, I was sitting at my back dining table with like five house guests that came and spent the weekend. And I looked at Taylor. I was like, I have to go and shoot my voiceover for the vlog. I'll see you later. <laughs> and I went to the mm. shop and I didn't go to sleep until four in the morning. And then I got up yesterday morning at 6 a.m., I had to go meet somebody that was dropping a tool off that I bought and before he went to the flea market because he's a flea market guy. So I had to meet him before the flea market, literally before the day started. So last night I got a really nice 10 hours of sleep. I was like, I went to bed early. should rewind just a little bit and go back to the tool that you bought. Oh, <laughs> let me guess. Let's. You want to take guesses? <laughs> um, tweet it. I'm guess. going bandsaw. David, what do you think? <laughs> um, no, I think I'm going to go bandsaw. No, no, no. <laughs> Joel Press. Joel Press. I bought a Camelback oh. Joel Press. This, there's a couple of guys I talked about in the vlog. There's a few guys that are out there always looking for tools for me. And he's like, hey, I'm bringing this to the flea market tomorrow. If you want it, you can have first crack at it. And and he knows where my shop is. He says, and my sh- the flea market's 10 miles down the road. So he's like, I'll stop at your place first if you want it. So I, I bought it for 200 bucks. I bought a, a Camelback Joel Press from about 1910. It's a big antique Joel Press. And I might, I might right away give it to a friend. So I just, it was one of those cool things that my buddy could use. So I might just turn around. It's not going to sit around. It's not going to be a restoration video that I, right at the moment, I'm, I'm not feeling it. So um, besides that, all that this week, I worked on the bullet bourbon job, which is coming together. It took me less time to do those five there's four that I'm doing in my back, uh, my back barn. Then the first one, the first one I started several weeks ago. When I first got the gig, he's like, what do you think of this? Do you think you could make these? I said, yeah, I can figure it out. I said, I'll make one and then we'll take it from there. He says, all right, we need the first one by like July 1st, July 10th, something like that, like that week. I said, no problem. And so about two weeks ago, he says, do you think you could have three of them by July 10th? And I was like, you know what? Uh, well, they have to get picked up on June 28th because of the, where they're going all around the country. So I said, you know what? I'll have all five of them done by the time the truck comes. And because it's easier to kind of mentally wrap your head around doing every single thing at the same exact time rather than stopping and finishing and then going back and starting from zero again. So I made all the parts at the same time for each one of the phases and it's moving along pretty swiftly. This week, I need to put on the fenders and the wheels and just some trim, and I'm basically done. And then touch up. So I got to go back and just look at things that bug me and try and fix them. But mm-hmm. when I do a big job like this, I just move through it. I just move through it just to try and get it. You know, they say done is better than perfect. So I'm just moving through it. And then I'm going to go backwards and, and do all the, the various details that need to be tweaked, which there isn't a lot, but it's just like. The guys that helped me, like, they stopped, like, well, should we fix this? I'm like, let's just keep moving. We'll come back and fix that later. You know, like, spackling seams and that kind of thing. Hmm. It seems like those have been in progress for quite a while. I mean, it's a lot of them. I don't I don't mean that in, like, a <laughs> get to work. But it that seems like a pretty big workload of stuff because it's, it's been around for several weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's uh, coming. Uh, hopefully, th- I have to. I guess is that this weekend, the twenty eighth, it has to be done in the next five days, and that's very, very, very reasonable. I just have to make the wheels. I'm making all the wheels on the on the CNC. I might actually be able to submit this video. Oh, sorry, publish this video this weekend. That would be good. Get that out mm-hmm. of my hair. But uh, yeah, so that's what I've been doing is just like focusing on the woodies, and then I got. I got private orders for, you'll hear my chickens chirping in the background. My, my baby chickens are here in my office because we have 18 cats in the house. The, like, it's, it's crazy. It's like the life cycles that cannot co- coincide. <laughs> it's like upstairs, downstairs, this <laughs> office, that office. Uh, but I'm working on four stools. I'm doing those stools that I made. So I'm making two for one client, two for another client. So I'm making them all at the same time. So that's also another thing. I, I, I'm not really filming that. So it's moving along pretty briskly. 
But in between stuff, I'm like, okay, I have uh, 45 minutes. Let me turn another part. Oh, I have 10 minutes between this meeting and that phone call. All right, let me turn another part. So like all day long, I'm constantly covered with sawdust. But I'm, I only have so, two more pieces to lay. You said the to lathe. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, you said you're not filming them. Is there is there a specific reason? Is it like just not? Oh no! I just just really would it uh, not make an interesting video or what's the? Oh no no! They, I've already done. I've done a video on making these, so it's exactly the same process. Oh yeah! A f- few weeks ago, I made a video making these four stools, and this is the same exact process. So I just I filmed see. a little bit just for like vlog entertainment, you know, just for fluff. Also, just mm-hmm. to give some context to what I'm working on, but they're they're fun. I'm, I I it's another product I'm trying to develop. I talked about it in the vlog. I want to try and develop it. I'm talking to the guys over at TableLegs.com, who I started a friendship with about a year ago, but we really haven't gotten much off the ground. And I presented this idea to him, and he likes it. He says, there's a couple parts, like the metal and the leather. He goes, it's not really our thing. He goes, but if you could help us figure that out. So I might have something going with them. We'll see. If not that, they definitely want to do something. So they want to develop a kit that we could promote. (laughs) So that's that's what's uh, that's what I'm doing. Hopefully the Woodies will probably be my next video. The Woody trailers. You want to know something funny? I I work with these guys from Bullet now for almost the last seven years, seven or eight years, like almost since the entire time I've been on YouTube. So like eight years, seven years. And years ago, I guess it's going back four years. One of the guys that I work for sent me a picture of a drawing that I did of that exact same thing of the Woody sticking halfway out of the wall. And he said, you, guys, huh. you came up with this idea four years ago. I just found it in my notes. But oh. the idea came from somebody else in marketing. These guys are independent, so they're not like day-to-day at the regular marketing office. He said, somebody at marketing came up with the same idea. He goes, but you also thought of it years before, but we never really <laughs> did anything with it. He goes, so now it came back to us through a different channel. So anyway, I was ahead of my time. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm glad you showed this to me. Now I want more money. not not gonna happen I'm pulling up the picture I'll show you guys right on David what have you been up to the oldest tool in my shop died or has almost died yeah so one of the first tools I bought that I still have is the Harbor Freight disc sander and you flip it on and it starts to turn and then doesn't go it just turns really slow and oh wow not sure what's happening i um if you're familiar with the channel um jimmy fielding he has a video on um it's the video's called this clever device is found in nearly every american household how it works and how to fix it and in this video is probably how to fix my disc sander, but I have to make the decision. Do I really want to spend the time tearing it apart? I know. I know a simple fix. The first thing you should do is, I'm sorry, I'm talking over you guys. No, that's, please that's go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me get another <laughs> bad comment. Take an air, air compressor and blow the motor out as hard as you can in every, every aspect. I've been yeah. exactly in that same position where the motor just like hums or just turns yeah. slowly. Yeah. Blow all, whatever little dust is in there out. Cause you're not obviously not getting good connection. And it might just be fine. Let's, let's see what happens. Because uh, what was uh, Jeremy's recommendation? Um, it's I don't know what what this part is called. Um, but the the like whenever you turn on a motor and you hear that little that little click and there's like a sounds like a little spring mechanism, whatever that part is called, it might be it, and it might just need to be cleaned. And I have to make the decision of do I want to tear it apart so I can get to that, clean that, and and see what's wrong, or do I want to give it to my brother, have him fix it, and keep it, and I just go pick up a new Harbor Freight disc sander that might last me another seven or eight years? Mm. You know? Yeah. Where do I want to spend my time? That's that's the decision I have to make this week. Because I use that disc sander quite a bit. I use mine a lot. I love that thing. Yeah. And I've actually thought about ways of trying to modify it. We're removing that outer safety shell and then putting on a bigger disc on there so I can get a 14-inch bandsaw. Because it always seems like Four, it's just too small. 14-inch bandsaw or 14-inch or, sander? Sander, yeah. Yeah, it's still early. I'm only on my second <laughs> cup of coffee. So there's yeah. that. We put out the printer video, printer stand video, and that one was doing fairly well, and it really helps organize my office. And when I made that that printer stand, 
it's mostly out of walnut plywood and then the drawer faces were made out of solid walnut and I terribly miscalculated how much walnut I needed and I got too much and so so now I have a, a few feet of walnut that I might try to turn into some sort of like desk organizer with some drawers and maybe a place to put my paper bills so that might be the project we work on this week I'm not not real sure so yeah no no go-kart races this week but i'll be back next week right on cool um well let's see what are we doing so today we're actually launching launching our uh, fusion 360 course hmm. so it's it's gone out over the weekend to our maker alliance people the people that help us out on patreon and youtube they got early access to it and then the people on our mailing list got access to it on friday and so today it's going out for everybody and uh so that's it's really cool it's also kind of nerve-wracking you know because we've been working on something without a whole lot of feedback for quite a while and i mean we've gotten feedback from a group of beta testers and stuff but without broad you know wide feedback and so now it's just going to go out to a whole bunch of people and so it's a little you know nerve-wracking but hopefully it will be useful for people and will be good so i'm excited about that and then um let's see what else uh so last week i made or actually a couple weeks ago now i made a prop that's going to be going out this week and it's from a show that neither one of you have probably ever seen and probably wouldn't care to see but it's called avatar the last airbender it's a, a kid's cartoon but <laughs> yeah, whatever just just stop it <laughs> It's a really good uh, show that I watched a long time ago, and then now my kids, you know, have gotten older, and so we just finished watching, rewatching this show with the kids. And so the whole time I was watching this cartoon, I'm like looking for a prop to make, and because um, it's been a while since I've done a prop, and so saw this mask, and it's this kind of non-specific Asian-inspired mask. It's not from any particular real-world Asian country. It's just a, it's you know, it's from a cartoon. But it, it has this really cool uh, kind of traditional wooden mask look to it with, like, big teeth that stick out and, you know, really overblown expression of the eyebrows and the eyes and stuff. And so it was kind of fun. I ended up making it out of foam, and it was the first time I'd done, like, a, a all-foam project in quite a while. And the thing that was really interesting about it that you guys may get a kick out of or would have fun figuring out is that I it's it's in a two-dimensional cartoon but the object in the cartoon is three-dimensional okay so obviously i found some drawings uh from the art department of what this character looked like you know like a a profile view and a three-quarter view and a front view and so i was using those to try to make the the foam pieces so I was taking a two-dimensional drawing of a three-dimensional object and trying to make three-dimensional pieces for a three-dimensional object. And so I was looking at profiles uh, that would need to be curved around a mask, around a face, but I was looking at a front view of the profile of it. And so I had to try to figure out how to take that thing and flatten it out some so that I could make it physically wide enough to then wrap around a three-dimensional object. And so I did all this these templates and I cut these pieces and made the mask and glued them on and then I realized like really really far into it that I'd been working from the front and not from the side and so this character has a nose this big kind of wide human looking nose and from the front it looks right but from the side it doesn't stick out at all because I was making it on a flat piece of foam and then just wrapping it around but I don't know why, but at some point when I figured that out, I realized that I had only been kind of looking at something from one direction instead of from, I I was thinking like it's a 2D cartoon. So I'm just looking from the front and drawing from the front, but it really, it's, it still represents 3D. And I, I, I don't know. It was an interesting thing. What you got, Jimmy? I mute myself. So I don't talk over you guys. Um, In the toy business, one really important part of, taking three two-dimensional characters in 3d is doing full turnarounds and that's like a big aspect because there are a lot of cartoons that once they finally get a license deal and they have to become you know a backpack or a 3d figure or 
suddenly it's like, okay, what is this character going to actually really look like if it was in the round? Because it never existed in the round. So interpreting 2D objects into 3D objects is a big part of the toy business. And I worked with the guys that manufactured all the the uh, South Park figurines in the 90s. Remember in the 90s, all these South Park characters started showing up everywhere in stores? I worked with all those guys, and interpreting South Park characters from 2D to 3D was a lot of fun at the time. We would get sculpts back. I remember one time we opened a sculpt up of little uh, of Jimmy in the wheelchair, and we, we would burst out laughing just at this little clay figurine of Jimmy in the wheelchair, just because he's such a funny character. And then Mr. Uh, who's the principal who's got the skinny neck and the tiny skinny arms? What was his name? Mr. Mackey. So we, got, we opened up the... Uh, the 3D character of Mr. Mackey made in, uh, you know, fabric. It was, it was really fun. And, and it was really, it was challenging in the beginning because nobody had ever seen these characters outside of just flat images. So I knew what their eyes are going to look like. You know, they have very specific uh, things about the eyes. So you basically had that same experience of reinterpreting things and trying to maintain that, that seamless transition from always seeing it on screen to seeing it in real life and being like, okay, What's changing? What 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 is really foreign to you know between this translation? What needs to go? What needs to stay? So it is a big decision process that nobody thinks about until they're actually right at it. Yeah, it was it was weird to have gotten so far along because I was basically done with it before I realized that I hadn't sculpted a nose. Like there was no from the profile, there was no nose sticking out, and it was kind of too far along to do that at that point because I had already made the it, it would have changed the profile to add another dimension to the the front of it and so I kind of just just left it as it is and as long as you're looking at it from the front or like a three quarter view it, it can it works but then as soon as you look at it from the side you're like oh it just looks kind of flat hmm. so anyway it was interesting and I learned something out of it I think that that was really cool that next time if I were to do anything like that I'm going to be a lot more aware of making sure I'm working in all the different perspectives at the same time uh, to get the piece I need. But anyway, it was cool. Turned out good. And I think it has the right look. So uh, that's a thing we've been working on. And then um, also I wanted to, this is not anything I've been doing, but I found something really cool this week. Uh, I think it's really cool. So we put out the R2D2 video last week and it's funny because people, just yell and yell and comment about when they want R2-D2 to come out. And then we put the video out and barely anybody watches it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really get that. But it's like some people really want it, I guess. And those are the vo- vocal people. Anyway, that's out. But one of the things that I would like to do with, I've always kind of wanted to do with the R2-D2 long term was to add voice control to it. And I know this has been done a couple of times in different ways. I randomly was going through Instagram and I follow some of the different hashtags around the uh, R2 build group so that I can see other people's builds in progress and learn some stuff. And I found um, a guy named Sean Fields who I already have met before because my shore trooper costume, he modeled, he 3d modeled that entire costume and put, had put his files for that out for free. I use those to make the costume, all that stuff. So I found that now he's making an R2-D2 fully 3D printed. But the thing that was really cool is that he, the video I found randomly is him using voice control to get R2-D2. So he can say, hey, R2, and it turns its head and makes noise to him. And I'm like, okay, hang on. How did you say <laughs> No. And so he, he responded and sent me this... Um, and there are several of these voice control systems out there that will be a replacement for the Amazon or the Google ones, you know, in case you don't want to use those. This one is called kit.ai. So K-I-T-T, like Knight Rider, kit.ai. And I haven't really started looking at it yet, but just from looking at the website, you can have a custom uh, hot word, you know, the word that it listens to, and it can run on, like, a PC, a Mac, Raspberry Pi, and a few other things. So it runs on a lot of different pieces of hardware and you can use it to trigger something else behind the scenes. So if you don't want to have one of the big cloud-based services listening all the time, you can use this local service that doesn't use the internet to Hmm. listen for your hot word and then trigger things. So you can still get the same effect without, you know, kind of opening up your privacy to uh, something always listening to you if that's a concern. 
But the fact that you could run this on a Raspberry Pi and then stick the Pi inside R2-D2 and then have it cause things to happen was like, oh, man, that's that's a path to get something I've always wanted to done. Like, there's nothing else to it. It's just dropping that in. So I thought I would throw that out there because I could see having a small computer like a Raspberry Pi being able to run something, some voice control, and then execute other things you could put that in anything. You could put that in your go-kart and tell your go-kart to do things and like turn yeah. on lights and turn on, you know, you could hey, put kit, it turn on table saw. It do things. Yeah. And you could name your go-kart kit cause it's like a car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun fact, yeah. the theme song to Knight Rider is in one of my like electronic music playlists Cause I love that theme so much. Uh, anyway, I've got it in the, track. uh, it's one of the, the buttons in my, my Land Cruiser, you know how you play sounds? <laughs> nice. It's one of the things. Yeah. But my kids don't know what it is, so I play it and they're like, what's that song? <laughs> anyway, kit.ai is a pretty cool thing. I don't know anything about it other than I've seen its use that Sean used and I've just looked at the website. So I can't vouch for it or anything. But it seems like a really simple way to get to that, um, you know, to have the technology you need to be able to, to do those things. And I, I've had some ideas in the shop to do some kind of big, silly technology things, and this is one of the missing pieces. Mm. So that's fun. Um, yeah, I'm excited about just having another little thing to look into and try to play with. Hmm. But anyway, <clears throat> um, so speaking of R2D2, I got a comment this week or a question from somebody uh, about like what's next after R2D2. And they were just asking, you know, you take on a big project like this and you work on it for a year or multiple years or months or whatever, and it kind of becomes this thing that's always in the background, is always kind of in process, may take forever to get it finished. But then once you finish it, what's what do you what do you do? Do you just pick up another really big long term thing? Mm-hmm. And then David and I were talking about that earlier, and, and you had another thought around that same idea of really big projects. Mm-hmm. What, what was it? Exactly? Well, I had a conversation with my stepfather over the weekend, because he was over, and he's like, how's come the go-kart build isn't done? And I was like, and I hadn't really put much thought into it, except it, I just wanted to set it aside so I can get the one that I had running ready for the season. And he's like, well, what's left? I'm like, well, I just have to wet on the mounts for the bumpers and the tabs for the floor pan, and and that's it. And so he's like, so all the hard part's done. There's no more challenge to it. I'm like, yeah, that's it. It's not challenging anymore. There's nothing to motivate me to finish it right now because I have a running one, and everything that's left is just so simple. So maybe there's a subject in there of why we put things off uh, or just big projects in general, why we don't get them started or why we don't finish them. And is the challenge the, once you overcome that challenge, is it no longer fun? I, I, I kind of liken this to exercising because when I try and say, for instance, if I go on a bike ride, I do several laps and the last lap, I'm always like, all right, I, I, I'm so over the hump. I'm good. I don't have to do that last lap. Right. Or like, you know, when I'm like, whenever I, I'll run, I'll, I haven't done the treadmill in a couple of years, but when I'm doing the treadmill and I know like I'm going to do like, say 30 minutes on the treadmill, the last five minutes, I'm like, you know what? I've done plenty. I don't need to do anymore. And I just like hit stop and get off the treadmill. <laughs> I do it all the time. And I'm like that, that, that little last five minute thing is such a weird mental hurdle that I'm like, no, fight past that five minutes and then like goes to four minutes and I just hit stop and <laughs> I can't I can't get past it sometimes. And, huh. and it is the same thing. And the perfect example is these woodies. I made the prototype and I have to put trim on the back door and I have to screw the wheels on. So every picture I've shown so far, the wheels are just literally sitting next to it. They're not attached. And there's a slight mental hurdle there. And the fact that the wheels are going to physically take the weight of the thing. It basically become like the two forward legs. There's a wall on the back that goes to the ground. So that is the back legs. And the wheels become the front legs. So it's basically an object that just sits on the ground. And I've come up with a solution now because I'm afraid that all that weight's going to be sitting on those legs. And those legs are outside of the center of gravity that they're going to canter in. So I'm just going to simply put legs 
right underneath where they attach. So when you step back, you're not really going to, it's all be painted black. So the compression will literally be between the very bottom of the wall of the Woody and the ground, but the wheels will be right next to it. They'll be assisting, but they won't be carrying the weight. I only thought of that just like a couple of days ago. So for the last few weeks, the wheels have been sitting next to the thing and that's slight. And I know it's just such a simple solution, which I obviously just described, but leading up to it, I was like, Oh, I, I, like, I'm in my mind. I'm like, when the 18 wheeler comes to pick that up, I can attach those wheels. And that in metaphorically is the same way of me just like slap and stop with four minutes left on my timer. Cause I know that I'm in the home stretch. It's a simple fix. I just didn't have the, the clear answer, which I do now. So going into doing the next four and getting the wheels done, I have a couple of thoughts that I'm going to put into, I might actually make the wheels and uh, they're going to be a certain stack of plywood. And then there's going to be a couple of little half stacks that go up underneath the wall. So the wheel is going to look like it sort of like visually penetrates the sidewall. You know what I mean? Mm. Like if you took a circle and stuck it into a half wall and fusion, it would basically yeah. become like a hemisphere under the bottom of the wall. So I'm going to see and see the wheels to look like that. But the first one, which the wheels are done, I'm just going to put pegs to the ground, which will be disguised. But anyway, you get into that last few minutes and you're like, I'm done. I got this. Yeah. And then you do it in two months from then. And it's I, the same thing with edits. I do the same thing with edits. I get to the point where I'm like, all right, I just got to do I just got to do the, the, right. the end part. I just got to shoot. The, and then it just sits on my computer for two weeks and I never do the end part. I wonder, and I'm, uh, this isn't a thought that I've had until just now, so maybe I'm overthinking this, but I'm also wondering if once I finish it, then I have to use it. That's actually going to let me know if it was a failed or successful project. And mm-hmm. then there's that commitment of now I have to use it. And I've been talking about this thing for six months. I got to show everybody if it worked or if it didn't work. And this is a point of success or failure. I mean, so maybe that's holding me back as well. Yeah, that's and, a psychological wall. It's the same thing. I mean, I have a similar thing with the Cadillac. I obviously just been too busy to work on it, but getting it to run cleanly and well and make sure it stops well you know it's all that i know what i have to do but i'm slightly scared that i'm going to do it and it's not going to help you know i'm not going to be able to do it successfully because it's not my priority right i think i have kind of a a different problem with big projects like that in that i don't i don't want to not complete them but when i get to that same point that you're talking about that that 80 percent or 90 percent point i just want to get it done like it would irritate me to have an unfinished project that's just sitting there at 10% left. Mm. And so the problem I have is then I just want to get it out of the way and the I don't finish well in that case a lot of times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I rush that last 10% or I rush the last little piece just to get it so that it is done, not done well sometimes, not all the time. Um, but so I, I have to catch myself in the end of a long-term project and make sure that I'm not just rushing through it so that I can check it off and so that I can just push it aside and move on to the next thing because that is a tendency, you know, I'd have. But that's that's pretty counter to, like, everything else that I think about myself is, you know, to, to not finish well, to put in that much work into something long-term and to work that hard and to think so much about something ahead of time and then to just, to like do a bad job at the end. Like that's pretty counter to everything else, but I find myself doing that. So it's something I have to actively work against. It's, it's slapping the stop button with four minutes left. <laughs> that's what it is. Cause you're yeah. like, yeah, I've and done it's, enough. It's, yeah. It's not, not a good habit to be in for sure. That's why I, with R2 specifically, I've taken really long breaks in, in between different segments. And that's not because I've just been like bored with it or, anything like that it's usually because i get stuck and then i don't know and i don't want to throw it together i don't want to just do it to be able to have a video i don't you know so i set it aside until i happen to come across the next little piece of information that i need to be able to do the next step and um it's one of those things that that i want to make sure that i do correctly because to put in like to put in the amount of work that i put into r2d2 to get it 90% done and be like, well, you know, nah, it's close enough. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just kind of put feet on it or I'll just yeah. like put roller skates on the bottom and that'll be enough. You know, that last, look at the feet. That last 10% is the, 
is the the clothing that the object is wearing that's the visible part the the, the thing that everybody is going to see and that's why that last 10 percent is so important and why you can't not sand a project all the way or put on that uh, a really good finish on there because that's what everybody sees so we were watching um we were watching this show called uh on disney plus last night called gallery and it's a behind the scenes for the mandalorian show i've already talked about it on here before because it's it's about how they made the show and the the last episode of it they talked about they had 30 some odd stormtroopers for this big scene where they needed a bunch of stormtroopers and they wanted more but it's a tv budget so they just didn't have any more costumes of this you know 30 stormtrooper costumes is a lot so they called the 501st which is the costuming group the official costuming group of star wars and when you make a star wars costume you can be approved by the 501st and then the people that are in that group go and do charity work and they show up at events and they go to hospitals and you know walk into kids' rooms in Star Wars costumes and stuff. So they called this group and they said, we need stormtroopers. And like 30 or 40 more just random people uh, in stormtrooper costumes showed up for an event that they didn't know what it was and then they got to be in this Star Wars show. Oh. Yeah, they just like, they thought it was just like some publicity The problem is they don't know who's who. They can't, like, that's, oh no wait, no that's not me. No, oh that's me? No, 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 <laughs> that's, no, me, no that's me. me. But so we're watching this thing and, you know, these these people are talking to the camera about like they didn't have any idea what they were doing and they just, you know, they they just showed up for this thing and they're really proud of their costume because to be in that group, you, you make your own costume, right? So these people, 30 or 40 people who made their own things, their, their own costume is now part of on-screen used Star Wars costume, whereas like a, that's a it's thing. It's like a you, full circle dream in a way. Yeah. The next exactly. best thing would be going to space and taking over some planet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it got me thinking about that seeing them talk about like I made this thing, I got approved by the 501st and it got me to this situation to where now I am in a Star Wars show by accident. It got me thinking about this the stormtrooper costume that I made that I never quite finished. Like if you look at it and even if someone who is a Star Wars fan looked at it, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's it's done. It's all there. But I never did it to the degree that it, you have to do it to submit to the 501st to have it approved. Because they, they have a spec and they match it against the spec. And hmm. if you're approved, then you're actually part of the group and you can be a part of their charity events that they do and things like that. And that's never been a huge priority for me, but it would be kind of cool. But seeing those people get to they put in all the work every bit of it they got approved they got to do a thing that they really enjoyed and it made me think about like oh i kind of stopped short of the stormtrooper costume huh like that doesn't feel real good not because i'm going to be on a star wars show but just because i it dawned on me all of a sudden that like i never really finished that i need to do that (laughs) and now it's hanging over me (laughs) Uh, i have work to do but bob can i ever can i ask you are there any chubby stormtroopers like i know that if i had to get in a stormtrooper uniform they'd have to like change the shape of the guy actually they mentioned uh last night in the thing that when you you get the vacuum formed pieces and and they are one size and then you can shim them and bend them to fit your character your person because yes there are plenty of people running around in stormtrooper <laughs> costumes who are not they left away 115 pounds i mean like if you never see a stormtrooper with a little gut like the, like the all movies, those but like at all, all like the events the bl- you do oh, really? <laughs> oh, <laughs> like yeah. all like the all like the spandex between the panels all like overstretched <laughs> just like extra extra pieces of armor it's no know? different than the military i mean like you send the military into a combat zone i mean these are physically fit uh people who are who are trained yeah i mean there i guess in the star wars world there would be a physical standard that they would need to meet but in the real world and the people that go to star wars <laughs> events and dress up in star wars costumes there is no physical constraint there's no boot camp and look like <laughs> there's no boot camp so so now you have one uh one less excuse not to have a stormtrooper costume that fits you i, I totally I, i'm i'm pitching like a bill murray movie <laughs> where like it's like a stormtrooper boot camp and it's a comedy and some people are not getting in like it's uh the perfect Stripes movies in, in my yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly that movie but stormtroopers yeah 
Well, you know what? So like, anyway, that that so was an interesting thing for me to see that, and it it really it did kind of hit me that like I I have not finished that project. Well, hmm. I'm just kind of sitting and psychoanalyzing myself while we talk, and I'm thinking in terms of like when when I get to that last four minutes of my exercise routine and I start thinking to myself, oh, well, I carried 10 sheets of plywood this week. I start doing all this inventory. <laughs> and it, that's why I feel justified in being like, eh, I don't have to do that last lap. I start thinking, oh, I, I moved that machine and I, I raked the yard. I start, like, I start adding all these things up to like some bottom line, which like, oh, I've met that bottom line. I, I could, I could relax now. <laughs> and in a way I do the same thing physically with you know when you start a project yeah it's just it it also gets down to just priorities and you you start a project and suddenly something becomes more of a priority than that project and you start jumping on that and you know you got to ask yourself what you know where is you know what's going to pay the bills more potently or, or quickly more quickly than something else and that's really a big reason why we jump around i know i do yeah I think um, having – I would like to think that I could have several big projects kind of running at the same time, long-term things just, you know, that you could bounce around to and I could do a little bit on this thing and then come back. But in reality, I know that I have not started a lot of projects because I already have R2-D2 in process or before that I already had the arcade cabinet in process or the Vespa when I redid it the first time. So I know that I – I don't actually do that thing where I have a bunch of long-term things that I continue to work on. And and I'm doing it right now when I look down the road at, um, you know, I've talked about making the A-frame out at the farm. That's something I would love to do. And there's a huge amount of work to be done before I even physically do anything, right? There's designing the house. There's figuring out what requirements it needs. Um, there's saving money for it. There's, you know, there's all sorts of stuff before actually doing any work. And I haven't done any of that. Yeah, I, I look at pictures of them, and I building a house is so. There's so many like things on the checklist when you build, like yeah. building my building in the back. I'm like still, I'm like eighty percent done, and there's still so many more things that have to happen before I can consider it done. It's functioning, and I have electric, and I'm using it constantly, which is part of the problem. There, there <laughs> isn't there is another one of my things right. where it's like I'm in the home stretch. I'm like, yeah, hopefully. Among seventeen other things I'm doing, big projects, backyard barn, farm fence, all this other stuff, uh, I'm want to put together a crew of guys and just pay them to do it. Because I'm never going to physically do it. I just don't have the bandwidth. I just need someone. I need a team to come in and put the interior in that place. And I have a particular person I'm going to bug. Well, speaking of, so you mentioned a few weeks ago that you were going to do the posts. Or you guys were t- you got all the posts. Mm-hmm. Taylor had spaced them out, and you were trying to figure out whether. Mm-hmm. And then I saw on your story that one day that the, the guy showed up and was putting the posts in. Did yeah. he do all those in like a short amount of time? Like it two looked days. like they were going really quickly. Yeah, you'll see it in the vlog when you get a chance to watch it. There's these machines that it's just like like the big giant pile drivers that you would see like in a big city construction job, dropping piles into the earth for foundation. These things do the same thing, but on a smaller scale, and they only have to push them in the ground three to four feet. And up here, it's very rocky. So the whole time I said to tell she wanted to rent the machine and do it herself. I said, I'm sure you're going to run into a lot of problems. I was like, hire the professional for the day. See how he does it. So we hired the guy for the day. He had a lot of problems with his hydraulics. He kept breaking pipes on his hydraulic machine. And so he didn't even put in a full day. But between day one and day two, between fixing his machine, he probably put in about six hours. And he did three quarters of the field in six hours. We put it like almost 270 poles. He did more than three quarters of them. And Taylor said, you know what? Uh, and while his machine is getting fixed, I think I could do it. Now after watching him, she went and rented the machine with our friends with the truck, came back. I didn't do anything. I just showed up for one minute and said, don't get hurt and walked away. She did all of it because I was busy working on the woodies. So her and my friend Mike and my friend Ed, local guys, they ran the machine and helped Taylor put in the rest of the poles. A couple of them are crooked. She wants to pull them out and reset them, but we, we might rent the machine again for the day. With the hydraulic, with the, it's like a, you could like put a chain on it and pull it out of the ground and redo it. So she might do that. She might get the machine one more time. So the rental for the day is about $400 for the machine. Yeah. And it just goes right in the ground. 
But that's a case where like getting somebody to do a thing that's kind of a big project, something you don't have a lot of experience in, that was both faster and a learning experience because then from then on she could take it over. So thinking about the A-frame, there's I've kind of gone thinking about it in, in different ways. Part of me is like, well, I should just you know, hire an architect. I've actually had a few people reach out who listen to the show who are architects and offer to help, which is amazing. That's fantastic. And so part of me is like, yeah, I should take advantage of that and just get them to do their job because that's what they do well and they can do it correctly. And then the other part of me is like, yeah, but I kind of want to try to figure it out on my own because <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. That's my job, you know. Um, and so it's kind of weird because I know that doing any of these things myself will make it take longer. And it will not, I won't have the institutional knowledge of an architect or a, you know, somebody who does construction. I mean, I don't do any of those things, but at the same time, like I just, it's hard for me to just let go of a big, something I'm excited about long-term, big, new, outside of my comfort zone. It's hard for me to just be like, oh yeah, well, I'll hand this off to so-and-so and then it'll get done. And then I'll walk in and do the parts I already know how to do. That's just not me. But the downside of that is it's going to take forever and I'm hoping that it'll be done well when it's all done, but I don't know that, you know, so not really sure how I'm going to move ahead on that particular project or when it'll ever even begin uh, because I haven't made any steps toward it yet for those reasons that I just mentioned. So, but that's, that's my, whereas, you know, 10 years ago, R2D2 was this like, I'll never do that. That'd be so cool. But man, and I like, I can say I'll do it, but I probably will never happen right now. The A-frame is that like, that would be awesome. And I would love it. And it would be a huge amount of work. Probably will never happen, but I'm still going to act like it's going to happen Yeah. <laughs> so that it will eventually happen. That's funny. Very funny. I'm going to be building a boat. I'm going to be starting a boat. As soon as the woodies are out of the shop, I'm going to start laying out my, uh, my, uh, what do you call it? The strong back and the mold stations. I'm going to be building. It's a small rowboat. It's not big at all. It's uh, probably 13 feet and be about 40 inches wide at its widest. And it, and it have a a transom in the back to put a small electric motor on. So I'm going to work. It's another Bear Mountain boat design, and I'm going to build the whole thing from scratch. So I'm going to get all the wood. And it's not going to be it. it, it it is just a roll of plans. And from that roll of plans, I will build the boat. It's about five sheets of paper. And that gives me all the information to build this boat, which I saw when I was out there in September when I was in Canada. It was this beautiful boat. On the, There was a group of guys all got together with their boats. And I said, that's a beautiful boat. And I said, I want to build one of those. And I'm going so to start that. What's the difference in uh, construction? I, I, obviously, it's a different construction. But... Whereas the strip-built canoes have a particular type of process that you go through. What's the process? This is very similar. Very similar. Very similar. Yeah, very similar. Instead of it being uh, symmetrical from the center, left and right, it's obviously different. It's uh, symmetrical down the length of the boat, left and right side of the boat. I don't know what those terms are. I always confuse them, so I'm not even going to try and say them. Water left and water right. Yeah, yeah. Water left, water right. Is the same. So, like a canoe, like all quadrants are exactly the same. They're just mirrored image. This isn't. Gotcha. It's a boat with a front and a back. And so there's a little bit more hardwood. There's a little bit more sturdier wood involved in it, where the canoe is all super light all time. This boat it will be a little bit heavier because it's going to have more wood. There'll be like a bit of a deck for you to stand in because the, the bottom of the boat is broader. So you, we're going to make like a deck area so you could stand on it. it. It does look like, as some of the pictures I've seen, they look like they're removable. So you can like wash the boat out and then stick them back in. There'll be a seat and like oar locks and that kind of thing. So it's uh, it's just a little bit more sturdy construction, thicker wood. Overall, the boat looks like it's going to be heavier. And so I just want to challenge myself again. There's a couple of stylistic ideas I established with the canoe that I'm going to try and bring through to the boat. Some small details, which nobody would probably notice unless you pointed them out or unless you saw both boats beside each other, the canoe and the boat I'm about to build. And you go, oh, I see. I can start seeing some similarities as far as stylistic decisions. Um, So Hmm. I'm looking forward to doing that to kind of establish a little bit of a style outside of just one build. And the 
you know, Nick Offerman always says it. He's like, you really want to challenge yourself as a, as a construction or, or designer builder. He said, build something with curves in it. And the Woodies have slight curves in it. Well, the Woody has one big curve in it, which is a pretty challenging to figure out how to make the door with some girth to it that opens and closes. And, you know, so there was some challenges there. But building a boat with those compound curves basically everywhere is definitely a, a challenge to overcome. There was some really hard spots on the canoe, which I really honestly got to that point where I was like, oh, I want to slap the stop button with four minutes to go. Or, you know, there, was, there were several moments on the canoe where I just didn't go in the black barn for a couple of weeks. It's just like, uh, you think about having to get you know, past the finish line and you go, uh, so, but I obviously made it through those challenges and uh, I just want to do it again with the boat. Um, you should think about making a specialized trailer for it too because i would assume it's going to be difficult to move you're right actually it's funny there's one guy who made this boat the guy who i saw when i was there in canada i saw this beautiful like it really like it was like a love at first sight i was like oh my god i have to make that and so recently the the people over at bear mountain boats went to his shop because he lives near them and their friends and took a bunch of pictures of his boat and sent them to me and one of his things is a specialized trailer that you could Carry it off of the top of, say, for instance, like a Land Cruiser, and then lay it on this trailer so you could hand carry it to a boat launch, hand wheeled, similar in style to what April made for her kayak, where it's like a two wheeled doohickey that you hold by hand. And so the boat isn't so heavy that you can't wheel it like a wheelbarrow, but you know what the wheels look like and how that works. This gentleman made something, and you know it's definitely inspiration for me to come up with something like it. I've been meaning to make a something like that for my canoe. I have an old aluminum canoe. That was my grandfather's. When I was growing up, we, we had one and my grandfather had one of these Aluma, Aluma, I can't remember the brand name now, but anyway, you know, old aluminum canoes. And I've been meaning to make a, uh, like a carry behind thing that we could throw it up there and, you know, put fishing poles in it and then drag it down to the water and stuff, but never gotten around to it. One of these days. Yeah. Someday. Yeah. Well, um, any other thoughts on, Big projects. Hmm. Aww. David, what's your next big <laughs> thing? Like, wh- I mean, you said that you were getting close to the end of the go kart, yeah. and even if you have the other go kart, you know, you may build that one out as well. But like, what's the next thing after I, that? I th- well, I don't know. Maybe so. I want to get into small engine building. So a lot of the, and again, this is it won't likely turn into videos but the league that i run in and a lot of leagues around here they use the harbor freight predator 212 engine which you can get for like 120 bucks at, Har- at harbor freight and then there is like 800 dollars of like internal upgrades and i i want to learn how to do all those things and there's all kinds of information online on like how to replace the flywheel and the cams and and all that. But nobody, not a single video explains why you change this part and put this part. And I know a lot of that takes like a, um, to understand your horsepower increase takes a dyno and that's going to be completely out of the question because that's like a $10,000 machine. But I just want to know when I do these upgrades, why it makes this difference. So, I think if I if I buy a motor and I replace them and I can maybe calculate some RPMs, I can see what it's doing. I don't know. It's, it's I just want to understand small engines a lot better instead of relying on somebody else. And so maybe maybe that'll be my next big project next winter. Right on. Well, um, okay. Uh, let me go ahead and thank our Patreon supporters for the week. Big thanks to everybody that helps us out over on patreon.com slash making it. We are very thankful for you. You're awesome. And there's a lot of people over there at a bunch of different levels, but our top supporters are Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Maker and Training, Funkist Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, You Can Make This Too, Odin Leather Goods, Albers Woodworks, and Rich Lowen. Um, and those that group and everybody else gets the after show, which is more of us talking and obviously things that we forgot to talk about in the main show (laughs) there. And, uh, yeah. So if you want to help out the show uh, and get the after show, go to Patreon and 
help out. But if not, that's cool too. You can you can go leave a good uh, review on <laughs> iTunes or whatever <laughs> podcast to make Jimmy feel better about talking over us. Nothing, nothing. What? Nothing. What? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, and I don't have a physical problem with clearing my throat. Just want to throw that. Oh, out. you know what I was yes. thinking? What? what were you, you know what I was thinking? No. Oh, I'm oh, just boy. talking over you on purpose. Just so you know, I don't care that you talk over us. <laughs> there's also a, there's a slight delay, and so sometimes it's it's impossible to not talk over each other. We do have videos, so we can try to see. We can try to do some hand gestures, but it happens. And plus, you get excited about something, and you're like, oh, I have something to add. So it happens. We're just having a yeah. conversation. That's right. That's the way it is. Yes. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to say anything <laughs> else ever. It's going to make for a really bad podcast if you don't ever say anything else ever. Um, this podcast is awesome. Jimmy decided <laughs> to right, stop Jimmy, talking. What do you have to recommend this week? Which guy? <laughs> I will. Considering I'm talking about boat, I'm going to talk about. Tips from a shipwright. Lou has started a new series, which I haven't dug into yet, but Lou over at Tips from a Shipwright has started a new series, building a similarly small boat to the one that I want to build. So he's building his from scratch, basically from his memory, but I'm going to be following a set of plans. But go check out Lou, Tips from a Shipwright. Lou Swazel, I think is how you say his name. New series just started. Cool. Scott David. I am going to go with Jeremy Fielding. I'm sure we've mentioned him in the past, but since I use his video to kind of give me a reason why my descender may have stopped working, um, I'm I'm going I'm going with Jeremy. Right on. That's funny because I was actually going to uh, recommend him as well. Somebody, <laughs> so it's funny. He called me last week and we talked about YouTube business stuff for a little while. And then somebody sent us a message on Patreon, uh, Murray, and he was he mentioned Jeremy, and then you mentioned Jeremy on the show today. So hmm. Jeremy's on everybody's minds. Jeremy, um, for anybody that doesn't know, Jeremy Fielding is a is an engineer, and his YouTube channel is a lot of really good technical information. Um, he has a lot of stuff about electric engines, electric motors. Um, and specifically, like, how to use them and how to take them out of other devices. So he has a lot of stuff about using uh, motors from um, treadmills and washing machines and things like that. He also has uh, a couple of videos that are... Actually, there's one I haven't watched yet that I want to watch because I just found it. It's called Engineering Principles for Makers Part 1. And knowing him and how technical-minded he is, that's probably got a huge amount of information in it that would be just generally useful for people who make things. I, I haven't seen it yet, obviously, but um, but he does have a huge amount of knowledge. He's a good guy, too. So, um, My recommendation was going to be him and Wild Wonderful Off-Grid, because I've already talked about them before, but it's this channel that my wife found that we now watch every video that they put out. It's this uh, family... They live in West Virginia, and they've built an A-frame house. Not not like a cabin, like it's their house. They have three kids, and uh, they built it from scratch. And they, he's an electrician, but other than that, I don't think they really have home building experience because they they're definitely figuring it out as they go. But it's amazing. It's so cool to watch from the very beginning when they were just you know putting the foundation for this, the footers and everything. And now they have a house that they live in and it looks amazing and they've just done it all themselves as they go. And that's really, it's, it's cool because it's an A-frame. And so that, you know, piques my interest in, and it gives me information towards a thing that I want to do. But it's also just really cool to see uh, a couple decide to build their own home, no matter what the shape is, to buy land and then just go build their own house <laughs> like they're just they're just doing it and they it, it's all off grid they have a solar setup that runs all of the power for their house and they have a bunch of animals and they you know they farm and so they make their own meat and they sell animals and they do all the stuff that they need but they're completely off grid and it's it's pretty cool um so I've, I've learned a whole lot from watching them figure things out which is really cool so go check them out too you guys got anything else? 
There's a few channels that have that where the couples decide to just go build a new house all by themselves. I forget the other one. Maybe yeah. it's Pure Life mm-hmm. for Living. So there's two of them, at least that, that that I'm aware of. But it seems like there's it's a there's a couple like that. Yeah, few there's probably more as well. But oh, that's it. All right. Well, I guess that's it then for this week. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, see you next time. Uh, okay. Hold on. I'm gonna yawn. That was a okay. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Peep. That's it. I didn't want to. I didn't want to step over you. All right. You wanna... See you guys next time. Later.